Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. James chapter 1, if you would please. James chapter 1. Wednesday night is faith night. We are teaching a comprehensive study on faith. It's absolutely essential that we learn all that we can about faith and grow in faith. Get as much faith as you possibly can, beloved, because that's where our success lies. Living by faith. In James chapter 1, verse 5, I want to share with you one of the two fundamental facts that need to be established in all of our thinking. Every single one of us needs to establish these two fundamental facts in our thinking. And fact number one is that our God is a giving God. Say it with me. My God is a giving God. In verse 5 of James 1, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. Our God is a giving God who gives to all men liberally and abradeth not or finds no fault, and it shall be given him. Now, if that one verse is not enough to satisfy you, and if you want more verses so that out of the mouth of two or three verses may every word be established, that is two witnesses. Psalm 84.11 says that our God is a sun and shield who gives us grace and glory, and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Our God is a giving God. Every perfect gift, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variableness near the shadow of turning. And the clincher is Romans 8.32. If He spared not His only Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Everybody say all things. So we establish the fact that our God is a a giving God who gives all things and does not withhold any good thing from those that walk uprightly. Amen? Amen. But secondly, the second fundamental fact that has to be established within our thinking is the fact that we cannot receive from Him apart from faith. We cannot receive from Him apart from faith. Let's read on to verse... Six, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think, think, remember in our thinking, we need to establish these fundamental facts in our thinking, let not that man think, he shall receive not just wisdom, but anything of the Lord. Why? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So our God is a giving God who gives to all men liberally without fault-finding. But secondly, apart from faith, we cannot receive from God those things that He has freely given to all of us. As a matter of fact, if we had insight into all that He has given us already, in His redemptive work through Jesus Christ, I don't think we could possibly contain it all within our thinking faculties. He has absolutely overwhelmed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing that we could possibly imagine. 
has already been provided. But we walk in the light of those things by faith. We receive the reality of those things by faith. Therefore, it is essential that we take faith more serious. See, some people are of the opinion that I've got faith. And that's just it right there. I've got faith and have no concept of what faith is all about. Faith is more than just believing in God. The devils believe and tremble. Faith involves a whole lot more than that. It is a spiritual law by which we are to live. And I'll tell you what, beloved, it's a, a law of God. Therefore, its workings must be revealed to us by God Himself. So generally speaking, we can all say, I've got faith in God. But specifically speaking, faith involves every aspect of our lives. You can have faith to be saved, but not faith to be healed. You can have faith to be healed, not faith to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You can have faith to be filled with the Holy Ghost and yet not faith to do a miracle. We can just go on and on and on. Faith involves a comprehensive study of the Word of God in all areas of life so that we can develop our faith and then grow in faith and use our faith effectively. And so what we've done, we've decided to do a study, a comprehensive study on faith. Now, notice this, so that our faith level would rise. In verse 6, it says, Let him ask in faith nothing wavering. The word wavering right there is the same word that is translated staggered in Romans chapter 4, pertaining to Abraham when it says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Abraham did not stagger or waver at the promise of God. Wavering at the promise of God causes us to be removed from the blessing of God or the fulfillment of the blessing of God. Wavering at the promise of God prevents us from experiencing the reality of the things that God has provided for us. Double-mindedness will always short-circuit in our lives, that which is necessary to receive from God. And so you see, beloved, we have got to do something about developing our faith so that our faith is unshakable and unwavering. And in order to do so, we decided to take a look at some things that Jesus said about faith Himself. And if you were here with us, I guess, two Wednesday nights ago, you heard some of these truths. Write them down if you weren't. In Matthew 6.30... This is Jesus speaking. And therefore, if anyone wants to challenge the way he approached his teaching on faith, you have to take it up with him when you get to heaven. Because to be frank about it, he got right to the point and he showed no mercy. Treating people the way Jesus did today would probably upset them. And they get very angry when you start talking the way Jesus talked to people about their faith lives. In, Rome, or in Matthew 6 and verse 30, Jesus said that if a person cannot believe God to provide the necessities of life, he is a person of little faith. If we can't believe that God could provide or will provide the necessities of life, food, clothing, and shelter, then we are of little faith. Here we have, a, a, let's say, a definition or a revelation of the characteristics of little faith. When we find ourselves complaining about paying the bills, 
complaining about the food bill being too high, the electric bill being too high, etc., 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 then Jesus is saying, look, where is your faith? O oh, ye of little faith, can you not believe that your God will provide what you need in this life to sustain your life? And remember, this is Jesus speaking as He teaches His disciples. He's saying, you get busy seeking the kingdom of God and through faith, all that you need will be added to your life. And that should be something that's unconscious as far as faith is concerned. Because a parent is going to provide what the child needs. And He wants us to view the Father that way. And so here He reveals a characteristic of little faith one who cannot believe that God could provide or would provide those necessities has little faith. And then in Matthew 8.10, he reveals the characteristics of great faith. And we said great faith involves the ability to take God at His Word and at His Word alone. This Roman centurion said, I do not need you to come to my house I don't need you to lay hands on my child or my servant. I don't need any of my physical evidences satisfied whatsoever. All I need from you is a word. And the word that you speak, I acknowledge, contains more authority than that disease or that demon does over my child's life. And Jesus says, I've not found so great faith in all of Israel. Well, that's something every child of God who desires to have great faith should study. Amen? And meditate over and over and over again. I don't need you to lay hands on me. I don't need to see you walk into my house, Lord. I don't need to see any evidences satisfied. All I need is a word from you. Would to God that we could take a word from God and believe it from the heart the way that man did. And acknowledge the authority that that word contains, as that man did. And so you see, Jesus gives us that revelation of great faith. One who believes in the absolute integrity and authority of the word, apart from any sense evidences. And that is the highest form of faith. And then in Matthew 8, 26, again, another characteristic of little faith. And in Matthew 8 here, here, here he sees... His disciples panicking over the fact that they're going to drown. And Jesus asks them why they're so fearful. He rebukes the wind and the sea, and there's a calm, and he says to them, O ye of little faith. If a person is afraid for his life in the midst of a storm, he is saying, O ye of little faith. If a person is moved by that fear to act or to panic, he says, O ye of little faith. That's hard, saint of God. Because your situation may be very genuine. Theirs was. They're out there on the sea. They thought they were going to die. They were fishermen. They understood the wind, the storm. They knew all about that. But Jesus says, if you've got fear in your heart, even at a time like this, O ye of little faith. Wow. 
amazing. In Matthew 9 and 22, he talked about the woman with the issue of blood and how she had faith to be made whole. And it would behoove every single one of us to study out her situation so that we can discover how we too can have faith to be made whole. She heard of Jesus. She said, if I may but touch His garment, I will be made whole. She set out to touch it and put forth all the efforts of her entire being into touching the hem of His garment regardless of what stood in the way would not take no for an answer, would not be denied. And Jesus said, Daughter, be of good cheer. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy, of thy plague. And if we think about that, what does this mean? It means that God expects us to put forth all the energies of our being in order to develop great faith. You see, beloved, too often we take it lightly. We practice it one time or try it twice or whatever, and then we give up on it saying, well, I guess I just don't have what it takes. And Jesus is trying to let us know that that's not how it works. I believe that was given to us so that we can have revelation as to how we too can develop great faith and walk in great faith. It's going to take a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. You know why? Because your senses will rise up like a giant against you. My mind and emotions will rise up like a giant against me. What we see with our natural eyes and what we hear with our natural ears will slap our faith right across the face. Are we strong enough to stand there and say, it doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter what I hear. It doesn't matter what it looks like. What matters is what I believe from the Word of God. Or will we cower at the evidence of the senses. Daughter, be of good cheer. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. In Matthew 9.22, we have another revelation when Jesus told those that wanted to be healed from their blindness, according unto your faith, be it unto you. That's something sometimes we don't like to hear. You know, sometimes people blame God for things that happen when really it's according unto our faith. Think about that for a while. You said you couldn't do it, and when you did, defeat rose up like a giant in your life. You said you couldn't do it, and you didn't. According unto your faith, be it unto you. See, beloved, do we recognize how far-reaching our faith life is? When we start saying, I can do all things through Christ, who is the strength of my life, then we start our faith to work for us. I can't overcome this addiction. Oh, yes, you can. In the name of Jesus. When will you start saying, I can do all things through Christ, who is the strength of my life? Or will you say, I can't, and allow your faith to work against you? Will you allow fear to defeat you? You're not trusting in your own ability. You're trusting in the ability of God. And you're loosing or releasing or unleashing the ability of God through your words of faith. 
Your words will change your life. Your words of faith will set the course for your life. Your words and mine will set us on the right path for our lives. According unto your faith, be it unto you. And that's what he told them. In Matthew 14 and 31, we have the, the uh, testimony of Peter when he got out of the boat and he began to walk out on the water. And Jesus was hard on Peter. I know sometimes people say, well, let's just look at the bright side of it. He walked halfway there or how far, however far he walked. But listen carefully. Jesus did not praise him for walking on the water part way. As a matter of fact, he said, O ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? That's hard. I mean, we'd be shouting because we walked out on the water for a little bit. Wouldn't we? But Jesus takes him and says, O ye of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Now, Lord, there was a 30-foot wave coming. I withstood the 15 and the 20, but there was a 30-foot wave. Did you see it over there? And you're asking me, wherefore did I doubt? Can you see how Jesus wants to get our eyes off the circumstances? Get our eyes off of our surroundings and get our eyes on Him. Get our eyes on His Word. He wants us to be able to stand in the midst of the storm solely on His Word and not allow fear or doubt to enter in because of what we see. In other words, don't be distracted by what you see. Don't allow what you see to separate you from your faith. And that's what Peter did. Now, we're not talking about walking on the water, saints of God. We're talking about every circumstance of life. We're talking about in the hard places of life, we can either walk in faith or be distracted by the circumstances because we are of little faith. And again, you tell that to some people, and boy, just, they want to get ugly with you. But this is Jesus talking. And He talked to somebody who walked on the water and said, little faith. I don't know about you, but it tells me we've got to get back to the school of faith and recognize that faith involves being still and knowing that He is God. And when our emotions run wild and our feelings run wild and don't line up to the Word of God, it's being still, knowing He is God, proclaiming His Word, and regardless of the circumstances, not changing our mind, not being double-minded, just sticking with the Word of God. And, beloved, to change like that involves, as I said, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears on our part. We've got to face these things head-to-head -head and say, I'm not moving. It's like Daniel being in the lion's den looking right at that lion. I should say that hungry lion. Salivating. And Daniel just sitting there. Not moving. Trusting in his God. It's like those three Hebrew children just about to enter into the burning fire furnace that said, we're not changing. We're not 
changing our minds, O King. The God that we serve is able and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. We're not changing. And I think about how people today who vacillate and change their minds like the wind and the weather. And then when you say, you think maybe you could have faltered in your faith, become highly offended when these three Hebrew children are facing a circumstance far beyond whatever they've encountered, a burning fiery furnace, and did not waver and could not waver. Beloved, do you want your faith challenged tonight? Do you want your godly character challenged tonight? Or would you rather me just tickle your ears and just say, well, you know, whatever you want to hear? Beloved, I believe that God wants us to rise up in a greater level of faith because it's our faith that's going to put us over in these last days. Every single one of us needs to take to heart the teachings of Jesus on faith and begin to recognize our need to rise up to His teachings, to His specifications, to His revelation of what is great faith and what is little faith. Look at Matthew chapter 15. All that was just a review. Matthew chapter 15. Here we have another statement given by Jesus that reveals the characteristics, more characteristics of great faith. It's the story of the Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus desiring for Him to help her because of her daughter who had a devil. And she went to try to get to Him. And of course, His disciples shoot her off and sent her away. But the woman would not give up. Genuine faith does not give up. Genuine faith will not take no for an answer. Whether you're rejected, whether you're insulted, you will not forfeit or give up your faith. This woman didn't have the means whereby to obtain faith. She based her faith solely on the character of God. She humbled herself before God. She withstood the rejection. She withstood the insults. She withstood the humiliation. She withstood everything that could have shaken her in her emotions, her attitudes, and everything else. And she stood stalwart as a rock. Immovable. And sometimes today when we get our feelings hurt, it's so easy for us to walk away from faith and not be as tenacious. This woman, let's read about her. In verse 21, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. His disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. She did the very opposite of what the normal human being would do. 
She disregarded the rejection. She disregarded uh, the humiliation. It didn't matter to her what anybody said, including the Lord Himself. And she made her appeal. Now listen. She worshipped Him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered her and said, It's not proper or meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. You're a lower base citizen. You're not of the household of Israel. You don't have a covenant with God. You don't have family rights. You don't have family privileges. You're an outcast without hope and without God in the world. And she knew that. I like her honesty. I know. She said, truth, Lord. You're right. You're right. Yet, You want to see a characteristic of genuine faith that gets results? Yet, the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Humility. I'm not asking for what belongs to the children. I'm not asking for anything that belongs to the Jews. I'm appealing to you as a human being knowing that God is the Creator and that I can at least have a crumb that falls from the Chosen One's table. And that is sufficient for me. It's all I want. And I don't even want it for myself. I want it for my daughter. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, and you see, these words are written on the, this page, but they don't give expression. I'm sure he cried out, Oh, woman, great is your faith. She had to withstand the rejection. She withstood the insults. She agreed that she had no covenant rights. But she came as a human being asking for a human right And Jesus said, Woman, great is your faith. And I love this last part. Be it unto thee, even as you will. Wow. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Was she discouraged? No. Did she crumble under the rejection? No. Did the insults get to her so that she just walked away and was distracted from fulfilling her dream? And the answers are no, 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 no. This woman would not be denied. Let's read on. Matthew 16. And verse 5. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Which when Jesus perceived, He said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? You know, reasoning will take us right out of the realm of faith. How many of you know that? We try to reason things out in our own natural minds. 
We try to figure things out in our own head. And we wanted to line up with reason. As a matter of fact, Jesus was upset because, look at the next verse, do you not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Boy, does this really smack them across the face. You thought I was talking about bread when we, I just multiplied all that bread, fed 5,000 and we had leftovers? And you think I'm talking to you about natural bread for sustenance? Is that what you think? And don't you remember the 7,000? All the baskets that were left over? You can't believe that I can multiply bread once again if we get hungry out there, wherever we're at? Isn't that how human nature is? You know, sometimes we forget about the good works of God. We forget about the mighty power of God. We let our reasoning take over and don't give our faith its proper place in our lives. God wants us to feed our faith. He doesn't want us to be of little faith. And He is saying that reason will put you in that realm of little faith. Verse 11, How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread that you should be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of the bread but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Thank God that he's always there to bail us out and help us out. But beloved, he was tough on people with faith. And like I'm saying, in today's Christian world, you make a comment about someone's faith that maybe they had imperfect faith and to them it's an insult when it should be a, something that they can feed on and correct in their lives. And that's all of us. We all have got to humble ourselves. Let's go to another, Matthew 21. These are just things that Jesus said about faith. Okay, let's... let's classify everybody here among these people that Jesus is talking to. And let's, let's really see whether or not we have great faith. In verse 21, Matthew 21, 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith, notice the word if, if you have faith, and doubt not, you shall not only do that, this which is done to the fig tree, he cursed the fig tree and it dried up by the root, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. Now, let's leave out the particulars and let's just begin at the, the, the first part of the verse. Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, Ye shall say unto this mountain, and it shall be done. Or ye shall say, and it shall be done. To really understand the working of faith, that's it in a nutshell. If you have faith and doubt not, you will say, and it will be done. If you have faith and doubt not, you will say, and it will be done. See, someone says, I have faith. And in generally, or generally speaking, in general terms, they say, I have faith in God. But this is talking about faith in your words. If you have faith, you shall say, if you doubt not, and it shall be done. If you have faith and doubt not, 
you shall say, and it shall be done. What he's actually doing here is challenging us, every one of us, all of his followers, all of his disciples. And he doesn't just use the fig tree illustration. Not only will you do what was done to the fig tree, you shall say unto that mountain, if you doubt not, be removed and it shall be done if you have faith. Wow. Powerful. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. That's connected to verse 21. In other words, if you have faith, you will say, and whatever you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. So your faith is what makes your prayer work. Believing prayer changes things. So if you have faith, you can speak to mountains. And if you have faith, you'll ask God, believing and it shall be done unto you or you shall receive it. Look at Matthew 23. And we're not done with that yet. We'll get to another place where he spoke of that. Look at verse 23 of Matthew 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, which are what? Judgment, mercy, and faith. Another translation says you have left out or left undone the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. In other words, the more important demands of the law have been neglected or overlooked. You've taught people to tithe, but what's most important is they understand justice, mercy, and faith. And you've not taught people anything about faith. That's why he said, I've not found so great faith in all of Israel. Because they neglected the teaching of faith. It was a weightier matter of the law. But they were not taught to believe. As a result, Jesus was highly upset. Look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 8. These are the things that Jesus said about faith. Verse 22. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship and his disciples, with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. Those were his words of faith. And they launched forth, but as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. Now that looks pretty bad, doesn't it? And they came to him and awoke him. I think it's time to wake up the master. Saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased. And there was a calm. And he said unto them. Now before he rebuked it, he said, Oh, ye of little faith. See, if you read the other gospel, it says before he rebuked it, he said, Oh, ye of little faith. Here, afterward, after he rebukes the raging sea and it comes, becomes a calm, he says, where is your faith? 
What a question. Beloved, think about this question he asked his disciples. Where is your faith? What's your faith in? Where is your faith? Don't you have any faith? You could have spoken to the raging sea and it would have obeyed you. Where is your faith? So, oh, you have little faith, and now where is your faith? What a question. And he's speaking these things in reference to things, beloved, that really boggle the mind. How many of you think about when you see a tornado coming or a hurricane coming out there, just to walk up to it and just stand to it and speak to it? How many of us think about, we have the ability to walk up to a fruit tree and say, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And if you ever get tired of climbing the Midland Heights hill, just speak to it. And it'll move. We don't think in terms like that. We think in terms of just getting by from day to day. What about this one? He said, I give you power and authority over sickness and disease and to cast out devils. See, we don't view ourselves as being those who have authority or faith to speak to devils and they've got to flee or to speak to a disease that has to dry up by the root. We're not programmed to think that way, but Jesus is trying to reprogram us. He's trying to get us to think right. Look at Luke 17 and verse 5. And, and here, this is, this is really powerful. His disciples asked Him to increase their faith, increase our faith. And rather than saying that He could increase their faith, this is what He said in verse 6. In verse 5, he says, it says, increase our faith. Verse 6, And the Lord said, If ye had faith and just stop right there and you can put if you wanted to in parenthesis as a grain of mustard seed but look at the next part of the verse ye might say notice how Jesus connects the two again if ye had faith ye might say on the sycamine tree be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you. Now you put those three thoughts together. If ye had faith, ye might say, and it would obey you. If ye had faith, ye might say, and it would obey you. Now whether or not he meant that literally, which we have to assume that he did because he said it, you can speak to that sycamine tree and it would be planted in the midst of the sea. It would obey you. What he was saying is, it is subject unto you. Men don't view themselves as being superior to tall oak trees. But he's saying, look, you're bigger on the inside than you give yourself credit for. And your words have the potential to grow like a mustard seed grows into a huge tree. Your words, your faith can grow on the inside so that you can speak and a tree would obey you. Or a cancer would dry up by the root. Or a mountain would be removed. Or a devil would have to flee. Or a circumstance would have to change. But I want you to focus in on this. It would obey you. It didn't say God. It said it would obey you. 
And it reminds us of the authority that God gave us in the very beginning when He said, you control the earth that you live in. You speak faith words. You keep evil out. You speak to the devil. You resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Can you see that? Do, do you see the picture? Do you see what He's trying to instill within the hearts of His disciples? If ye had faith, you would say. So start saying something. Say to that thing, get out of my life. Okay? He's talking about bitterness. If someone offends you, if someone troubles you, back up to verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. If he trespass against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day are turned again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And, and they say, increase our faith. And now he says, you can speak to that tree of bitterness. You can tell it to leave and it will be uprooted from your life and cast into the sea of forgetfulness forever. See, we don't have to be full of unforgiveness. We don't have to be full of bitterness. We've got to speak to it. Take authority over our own lives is what he's saying. And as he said it about the mountain or other things, we have the potential to speak words that are so powerful that things would obey us, including trees, mountains, bitterness, whatever. Look at Luke 18 in verse 8. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth. Will he? When he came the first time, he said, I couldn't find very much faith in all of Israel. When he comes again, will he find faith on the earth? That's why he wants us to come into the unity of the faith and under the knowledge of the Son of God. Beloved, he wants us to be a faith people upon this earth led by the Spirit of God, taking our place as sons and daughters of the Most High God, used using our authority to carry on His works and carry out His purposes in the earth. And faith is the way we're going to do it in our lives and also through our lives. Look at uh, verse 42. This is re regarding a blind man who cried out to Jesus saying, Have mercy upon me. Jesus stood commanded the man to come to him. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, I want to receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, receive thy sight, thy faith, thy faith. Your faith hath saved you. Notice he uses the word saved. In other words, you've been saved from your blindness or healed from your blindness by your faith. Jesus put it right where it belonged, right on him. It made it very clear to all those that were around. This man cried out of the depth of his soul. His was an act of faith and it was his faith that saved him. And he wanted everybody else to hear that and everybody else to know that. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Look at Luke 22. And we'll close it with this verse. Luke 22, verse 31. These are the things Jesus said about faith. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. How many of you know that Satan desires to have every single one of us who loves God, 
who will serve God, who will do His will in this life. He does not want you promoting the kingdom of God in any way, shape, or form. And He'll do everything to distract you, to do everything to, to uproot your faith, to everything He possibly can to get you out of the will of God for your life. Satan is coming to have you. He wants you, Peter. And so Jesus, the Immaculate Son of God, says, But I have prayed for you. What did he pray for? I pray for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. Of all the things that Jesus could have prayed for Peter, what does he pray? The most important thing was that his personal faith fail not. Because he knew that his faith would enable him to take his place in the Father's family. He knew that his personal faith would enable him to overcome Satan in this world. He said, whom resists steadfast in the faith. Isn't that exactly what Peter wrote? When Satan comes to have you resist him with your faith. He got that from Jesus. He knew that his faith would enable him to exercise his authority in this life. Jesus knew the value and the importance of Peter's faith not failing him. And so he prayed that his faith would fail not. You see, beloved, our faith enables us to trust God utterly. Our faith enables us to experience the reality of greater is He that is in me than he that is in this world. Our personal faith enables us to enjoy the realities of who we are in Christ. It's our personal faith that enables us to overcome in this life. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Jesus knew that. And He prayed that Peter's faith would fail not. And beloved, I believe with all my being, that Jesus prays, likewise, that our faith fail not. Say this with me if you would. If I had faith, I would say, and it would be done. Say it again. If I had faith, I would say, and it would be done. Say it this way. I have faith, and so I say, and it is done. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.